Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I guess we got to learn how to speak German and say, Ich bin ein Buccaneer fan, because the Bucks are traveling to Munich, Germany assuming that we all can travel to Europe anytime soon during the 2022 season. And they will play the first NFL regular season game in that country. And the league announced that on Monday. They don't know the opponent. They don't know the date. They don't know the time. And they haven't even said whether or not Tampa Bay is the home team. But I'm going to tell you now, Tampa Bay is the home team. They're definitely the home team. And it's going to be at uh, Munich, uh, Bayern Munich Stadium. So that will take away one of their nine because next season the NFC has the extra game at home. Nine regular season games, so there'll still be eight. Uh, details to follow, I'm sure, as to uh, how and when, what happens to the money that uh, some of you folks have purchased season passes with. So we know they're going to play. Um, no, wait either a minute. The, what's that? I just gave up my French lessons since the Rays <laughs> well, are moving to Montreal. Now you're telling me i got to learn German? That's you know that's the one language not the one language I speak very little if anything even English but um, I have a little bit I've three years of Spanish um, I I can fake French for about thirty seconds I have no I got no game I got each benign I have nothing in German nothing strudel what do I got I got nothing I can't I I'm gonna have to bone up on that because I'm excited about it I mean I think it'll be you know this is the fourth time they've gone to Europe. The other three times, of course, were in London. They went terribly for the Buccaneers, by the way. They lost all three games. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, but uh, Germany, I would guess sometime in October for Oktoberfest, I would imagine. Yeah, but Oktoberfest uh, is in September. Don't ask me why. Oh, okay. Well, then, see, I know nothing about Germany. I don't yeah. even know when Oktoberfest is. Yeah, I think it starts at, like in mid-September, which it's like, What? Does it run to still? Does it get to October? Uh, does it end? Maybe a little bit, but not much. Yeah. Well, there you go. Anyway, um, looks like we're headed there. And Joel Glazer serves as the chairman of the league's international committee. And um, you know, of course, they're trying to grow the game over there and get a footprint in all of Europe. And this is the first foray into Germany. There was a bunch of games that were announced. I guess on Monday, uh, in different places, there are a bunch of, of teams that are going there. Back in December, if you recall, the Bucks, they, were, they had 18 teams that, that uh, were granted access to what they called the new international home marketing area. And the Bucks, along with Carolina, Kansas City, and New England, were uh, assigned Germany. And then a group of other teams you know, were, were assigned, whether it was Mexico City or um, you know, London, England, that kind of thing, London, England. Um, and, and so they kind of broke it up from a marketing standpoint. So it makes sense that the Bucks would be one of the first teams. I didn't think they were going to do this. I, and, and again, I don't, I, they don't ask, okay? This isn't one of those things where they go, hey, would your team like to play in Germany? They assign it to you, and, and it's going to be rotating, I guess, uh, over the next eight years or so. But, uh, you know, the Bucks, of course, you know, they've won – a ton of games the last two years. They don't have Tom Brady, which is unfortunate for them. 
But to lose a home game, they get paid very well to go over there. Um, yeah, I don't know what the split is between the two teams, that, that the other team that they would play. But they always sell out all those stadiums. All those games are sold out. And for the first one in Germany, I can well imagine that it will be just be rocking, you know. So um, new country. I've never been there. Looking forward to it. I hope we are all safe and able to still travel. hope there is a Europe by the time we get to October or September. The, the actual date of that game and the opponent probably will come out sometime in April when they uh, begin to release the schedule. Sometimes they release the international games a, a day or two or, or maybe even a week prior to the, um, the, the entire schedule. So it's going to be cool. Um, you know, Bruce Arians has done a lot of these games and, and he says he's met a lot of German fans and, you know, a lot of them uh, get together online. He goes, I know how they party. So um, that should be right up their alley. But I'll tell you, all the other trips over there that these international series games for the Bucks have gone bad. Um, I can remember the first two came under the really bad years with Raheem Morris in 09. Of course, 09, they were, I think they won two or three games. Um, 2010, they went 10 and 6, and then they were back in 11. They started 4 and 2. And that's where the wheels came off. Uh, they went over there, and and they lost to uh, Lovey Smith's Chicago Bears, uh, and then they didn't win another game. I mean, they went from four and two to four and what twelve. They lost ten straight, and and how long? I mean, they've been going so long uh, that it started in '09. Byron Leftwich was the Bucks' starting quarterback when they went there the first time to play the Patriots, and Josh Freeman. Came in the game. It was his. It was his NFL debut, and it was uh, late in the game, probably about five minutes or so. I want to say, and I remember uh, the story goes that Mark Dominic was talking to Raheem Morris over the headset, and they they agreed that he was going to put him in. He's like, I'm going to put Josh in now, and so he did. And uh, it was a 37 to, or 35 to, to seven loss at Wembley, and then they went back there. A couple of years later, um, and that didn't turn out too well either. So in 2019, the last time they were there, that's the game where Jameis Winston threw five interceptions, including on the game's first play. He goes to throw a hitch route to Mike Evans. He's late. Evans kind of pulls up. It's interception. They lose to the Panthers. They're trailing by a lot. They lost 37-26. That was at Tottenham Stadium. That was Hotspur Stadium. That was the, the first Tottenham game. Before that, they had been at Wembley. So... Only the Jaguars, who I, I'm pretty convinced are going to be the team that moves there if they have an international team or at least plays um, half their home games or however they decide to do that uh, in London. They played over there. Uh, this will be the ninth time this year. The Dolphins have been there five times, and the Raiders have been there five times. Seems odd, right? Uh, but that's, it does seem odd, although that's a big brand. And big brand and, and for a while and they were stadium for yeah. a while they were trying to leave Oakland and yeah and so yeah. it was you know they don't mind giving up a home game at that point exactly I did exactly notice right. that the five international games four of the teams announced today were NFC teams mm-hmm. and then Jacksonville was the only AFC team and at, that's it that's noteworthy because the NFC has the nine home games this year so Correct. that all those teams will still have eight home games except for the Jaguars will only have seven as far as that's in, in city so and I would assume next year the home teams for most of the international games will be AFC teams because they'll have the nine home games. Mm-hmm. And the Saints play over there once as a home team, most likely. So it won't be the Bucks and the Saints. Um, it could be the Panthers, who they've played there before, but I don't think so. 
but you've also got the Packers uh, who are playing over there, and they're on the Bucks schedule. Probably won't be them. So if you kind of narrow it down, you go, okay, it could be the Ravens, could be the Bengals, could be the Chiefs. That's what most people think is that it's going to be the Chiefs. I would maybe. I would think I don't... maybe the Seahawks. I don't know. If I'm the Bucks, I wouldn't want to give up a Chiefs home game. No, I, I wouldn't mean, either. Not that I... it's completely their call, but. It's not, but they'll work with you. So you'd, you'd hope it was like the Falcons, right? Like, give me an NFC, NFC. Although that's a division game, you're giving away a home division game. Is that does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Well, not but sure. I, you know, I, I think if you're the Bucks, and, and let's assume Tom Brady is retired, right? And if you don't go get one of the top tier quarterbacks because you just can't or they're not available, right. right? You know, ticket sales. You don't know what they're going to be like. You'd hate to give up maybe one of your biggest draws that's what i think you know but then again you know the nfl i believe i'm correct in saying this there's never been a matchup in europe with two teams with winning records really wow i believe i heard that this year and that you know every time that teams have played in, in it's all been england one of the teams has not been over 500 at least one They've never had a, a matchup of two winning teams at that point in the season. So when they played or when they were when scheduled they to play when they for played. the previous I mean, when they schedule oh. it, it's – yeah, I mean, there may be, they may have had winning records this season and they're scheduled to go there this year, but when they actually play the game, yeah, it's never been two teams with winning records playing in, in Europe. That's bizarre. That's just a, a, a quirk of nature, I guess, right? I mean, that's – well, not planned, obviously. Well, some of it, although you know, who's gone over there a lot? Jacksonville, they haven't. Yeah, that's they true. haven't won a lot lately. I mean, you know, so you start thinking of, you know, who plays over there a lot. You said the Dolphins; they haven't been a yeah. great winning team, you know, for the last fifteen years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Bucks have been over there a lot. You know, they what they went thirteen years between playoff appearances. Right. So you know, you start looking at some of the teams that are going over there and the ones that were giving up home games to go over there. And it it makes sense why that happens, but you would think at some point it would have happened once. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just kind of strange. I mean, the Bucks when they went over there, like I said, the one year they were four and two. They had, they had beaten Atlanta and New Orleans um, to get to four and two after a ten and six season. You take that those six games and the sixteen prior to that, and I think they won their last game or so in the the, the last couple of weeks of Raheem Morris's first season. They they had a run there that is as good as any twenty four game run that you're gonna find. But um but then like I said the wheels came off and then, then it was kind of over. Uh too bad they're not going next year because they could have possibly won the cre- worn the creamsicle bucks throwback uniforms. They are returning, but they're not gonna return until twenty twenty three. Which that surprises me. Well, you know what they said? Supply supply chain issues. Okay, well, then that would make more sense. Yeah, they said due to global supply chain challenges, we'll have to wait one more year than they hoped. They had hoped to do it this season, but it said that's the earliest that Nike can finish production of the orange uniforms, which sounds weird to me, right? Like, wait a minute, you're Nike. How many how many uniforms do we need? There's only 53 guys dressing on Sunday. We can't get it 53 done? It has nothing done? to do with, no, 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 no. It has nothing to do with the 53 that are on the field. <laughs> it's the massive marketing campaign <laughs> that they plan on selling, right? It's the thousands upon thousands they want to sell. <laughs> I know, I know. For a um, few hundred a pop. Yeah, oh yeah, they won't be cheap. Kind of like those lightning uh, 
Winter Classic uniforms probably cost a little bit, right? Yeah, but they are nice. Well, they're really nice. Better than Smashville. Yeah, but um, I'm 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 pretty psyched about the creamsicles. I think it's a tragedy though that Tom Brady didn't get to wear one because it the the winking uh, stiletto chewing pirate, you know, is, is a pretty good looking dude for a pirate. Could easily be mistaken for Tom Brady. And then, have you seen where they the people took like his face and they they changed the logo mm-hmm. ever so subtly and it yep. was Brady's face. That would have been perfect, but maybe they can induct him in the Ring of Honor on a throwback night, so that you know. Yeah, you have to wear, have to bring out the orange jersey. I, I still think they should make them. I don't, you know, because to what twelve in the orange is Trent Dilfer. It's, uh, it's Doug Williams. Actually, Trent never wore him. What am I saying? No, he did wear him. He was ninety five, so he would have worn him. But it's, uh, it's Doug. Doug Williams is number twelve. When I think of creamsicle twelve, I think of Doug Williams. Um, but it doesn't mean they. I, I wonder if you can. I wonder if you could uh, could order. You can order custom names on jerseys. Yeah. Yeah. So you could you could make a creamsicle Brady one, perhaps. Yeah. Although you couldn't do that. Last, like last, I tried, and my son kind of wanted one of those, and uh, they weren't available. They weren't making them for whatever reason. Maybe again, maybe supply chains, but they just weren't making Brady creamsicle uniforms. And I don't, I'm not sure exactly why. But this is this is huge because. I think people around the league like them better than Bucks fans do because if you if you've been around at all uh, in Tampa Bay more than say since '97, um, you don't remember them winning many or sometimes any games wearing those uniforms. I mean, they started 0 and 26 when I was a very young man, um, you know, and and they were the butt of all the jokes. And then even when they you know they had some success, they got in the championship game one year, got shut out nine to nothing, all of that. And then they went like you know parts of the eighties with with John McKay was not good. Obviously, it was really bad uh, in the early nineties, all the way up until Tony Dungy got here. Uh, I guess it was in ninety six, and he had I think he went six and ten his first season, and then and then they got better, and then they changed uniforms in ninety seven when they went to uh, went to the playoffs. But there hasn't been a lot of great memories. Uh, watching the Bucks play because they were always the bumbling Bucks, and you'd see, you'd see those uniforms, and it was kind of like, gosh, this, this just don't look like NFL uniforms, you know. And they're and they're 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 playing, you know. You don't you you know that was back when if you look good, you feel good, you play good, all that stuff. And they didn't they did not play well, so you you kind of blamed it on like they look like look like a clown show. They look like clowns out there in these these orange things, and then. And then there came a time when, uh, during the White years, they added creamsicle pants. You know, they used to just have, you know, orange top, white pants, white top, white pants. And then come around the White years, we would have gotten here like in 92, up to about 95 or so, they, they, they came up with these orange pants to go with the white tops. They were really bad. Uh, and it wasn't the same color. Or- it's just, I didn't like that. I hope they don't do that. I hope it's just, you know. The classic, of course, it's only gonna be like one game or so, I guess, a year once they get them. But, um, but people will be people will be psyched about that. That'll be that'll be fun. When will we I am having, headed, will we be having ahead. the throwback game for the jerseys from three years ago. What's that now? What happened? No, what when, happened when will we be having that throwback game for the jerseys that they wore three years ago with the alarm clock numbers? Oh God, no! <laughs> oh God, no! Those were hideous, and the, and the multicolored shoulders and all that. Yeah. 
You know, that's the one thing. I had a former colleague that made this his his soul, um, not his soul, but but a very big part of his of his campaign. He just yes. there, he there's started, a whole movement out there about the Bucks jerseys. There was, and and I will say this: that I I wasn't that offended by the alarm clock ones. I, it didn't bother me. I didn't think they were a horrible, hideous uniform. Looking back at it, they were pretty bad. They were pretty bad. Because I'll see pictures now or film, and I'll go, oh, that wasn't good. This would surprise you. Like, Doug, Doug Martin wore a creamsicle jersey on a throwback day. Um, who else did I see in, in uh, throwback jerseys? Uh, Levante David. Probably the only member of this team right now to have worn the creamsicle, if I'm not mistaken. He wore the creamsicle jersey. So there's, there's, just, there's just not many of them around. Um, and the really cool thing they do when they do the throwback days, I thought that the, in addition to them wearing the, the Bucks would go all in and they'd go, they'd go retro. They'd go 70s everything. The cheerleaders, the swashbucklers would wear mm-hmm. the old 70s uniforms and they'd have these giant pom-poms, you know, these things that were just massive uh, in, 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 in circumference. They would play all the 70s and the early 80s sort of, you know, uh, music in between um, periods or, or in between plays and stuff. It was just like a party, man. It was ret- They went retro all the way. Uh, mascots, all that stuff. So it was really kind of cool. But, um, you know, I hope they get to do that again. It's, uh, it's something people have been begging for, and I've kind of forgotten about it, and then boom, there it was. We're going to have the creamsicle days, which is kind of cool. So I was saying, I, I'm headed up to Indianapolis. Uh, by the time you hear this podcast, I'll probably be there. i got to get up really early on Tuesday morning. Both Bruce Arians and Jason Light scheduled to talk in Indianapolis um, at the Conven- Indiana Convention Center. That'll happen around 1 o'clock, 1, 1 o'clock and one fifteen. They'll go back to back. I don't expect a lot of uh, great details about their plans for quarterback, about you know what I mean. They may tell you what their thoughts are about Ali Marpet retiring. They they may talk about the coaching situation. I mean, I, there, there's any number of free agencies. Which guys are they going to try to retain? Who they're going to franchise? If anybody, where does that stand? There's a lot of things to talk about, especially since we're so close to the start of free agency, which is March 14th through the 16th. The 16th, you can actually begin signing players, but you have that tampering period where you can reach agreements as early as the 14th. So we're really close um, to the start of free agency because actually the combine is about a week later than it normally is. It's normally at the end of February, we're, or I'm sorry, the end of January. We're already into February and beyond. Now we're going into March. So it's, it's usually last few weeks, last week in February. And, and so we're way down the road now. There's not much time. And this, this will be the weekend that, or the week, that the Bucks will meet not just with agents of quarterbacks uh, who are free agents, but we'll talk to other teams too. Like they will find out if the Seattle Seahawks have any real interest in trading Russell Wilson. They'll find out if the Houston Texans, what they want, you know, for Deshaun Watson and if it's worth their time where his case is. And, um, you know, and, and if there's, you know, talk to Blaine Gabbard's agent, you could talk to Jameis Winston's agent. You could talk to any, any number, all the agents are there. They're all up there to be certified. Uh, all the GMs are there. All the all the uh, salary cap guys are there. Mike Greenberg's there. Uh, your coaches roll in on various days to watch players work out. And so, you know, with this this rash of retirements, we still don't know 
by the way, uh, who else is next? I mean, you still have Jason Pierre-Paul, who underwent so- shoulder surgery for his torn rotator cuff. He could decide not to play, as hasn't said. And Domicon Sue, we're still waiting to hear. Um, Steve McLennan was the oldest defense player in the league last year. He's 36. He could certainly hang it up. So there could be a lot uh, more retirements just, just in and of itself. you got the real quarterback you absolutely have to solve. And, and then you've got all these free agents. And so you'll be talking to the guys who represent people like Leonard Fournette and Jordan Whitehead and Carlton Davis and Chris Godwin and so on and so forth. So it's really it's a, it's a busy dance card uh, for these guys in Indy. It's kind of a neat week that everybody in the NFL is there. And it's, it's, there's sort of this surreal feeling, too, because the convention center very often will host all kinds of different – I mean, it's enormous – um, and they used they do all the workouts and things. They, they would do them uh, predominantly at Lucas Oil Stadium, and now they've kind of moved them back into the convention center. And, and then also in the convention center, you might have like a youth cheerleading clinic or competition, I should say, not clinic, but these are like big-time, you know, comp- competitive cheerleading. And so you see all these little pixies running around with their hairs and bows, and they're about 9, or nine to 12 years old or 14 years old, and and they'll literally like walk right past, you know. Uh, it could be Andy Reid and his entire staff of the Chiefs, or it can be, you know, uh, Jerry Jones, or you know, and and everybody's in this one little sort of square downtown where there's restaurants and and, and tons of hotels, and you kind of stay indoors just to avoid the cold this time of year, generally, especially when it was in February. So it's this weird juxtaposition of just activity that doesn't seem to fit together. You know what I mean? It's like people don't realize, I think many do because there's autograph people and stuff, but, and then you have all the media. I mean, all the media is, is there. So many writers from the athletic, um, their entire, it seems like they got like 450 writers, but a ton of them come. The college bloggers from various uh, magazines and outlets and things are there because you have college writers and you have NFL people. So it's really kind of a, a, a big deal. Um, I'm going to be there for about 20 hours, I think, and just going up to listen to, to Jason and Bruce and pick up what I can uh, while I'm there and be back early the next day. But um, and, then, and then there's the draft. I mean, we're, you know, this is really to evaluate players. And there are some players, and you can go to TampaBay.com and Tampa Bay, um, the Tampa Bay Times and read about them. I still think now... You know, having Ali Marpet retire has probably changed things, uh, to say the least, when you got Ryan Jensen and Alex Kappa as free agents. So now interior offensive line, you got to put that near the top. I mean, it's quarterback. Let's start there, right? Quarterback is the biggest need. And then you would go, normally I would have said, and it may still go this way, I would have said receiver. I would have said, because not knowing what Chris Godwin's condition is going to be or whether you're going to be able to retain him um you know since he's a free agent you may or may not tag him again etc uh, i just remember last year you know with having to throw to Brashard perryman and um you know just guys off the street essentially or off the practice squad i don't think they want to get in that situation again and, and they're not going to have antonio brown and so you know mike evans is going into his ninth season and there are some guys that um one that you saw play, I mean, uh, the Dotson kid from Penn State, Jahan Dotson. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's a hell of a player. So 
I've seen a lot of Daniel Jeremiah says that uh, he's got the best hands in the draft. Tax the ball, he, you know, um, he can do it all. So, he's, you know, he's a little Godwin-like. A, a guy that's interesting to me that's th- that will probably be there because of his injury, and he was it was sad because he got hurt in the national championship game, is Jamison Williams from Alabama. Somebody's taking that guy with a torn ACL or coming off the torn ACL, and they're going to get a hell of a player because he was unstoppable. Um, the Ohio State receiver, Garrett Wilson, that's another one. Um, I've seen him go in top 10. Yeah, he, that's what I mean. I don't think they'll have a chance at some of these guys. Yeah. Wilson, probably one of them they wouldn't have a chance at. Then there's some defensive tackles. Um, Jordan Davis, the kid that's, you know, played for uh, Alabama. He only had seven career sacks um, at Georgia. I just say Georgia, Alabama. I meant Georgia, I think. Um, but he's, you know, he didn't play a lot. He played like 25 snaps a game. Um, you know, so that was, that's another guy. There's, there's just a bunch of players that they'll be keeping eyes on, but I think interior offensive line, obviously you need a tight end. If Gronk retires, he could retire this week or certainly by next week or the week after before, I think they'll learn about it before free agency. Um, the timetable I heard was probably next week or, or right before the start of free agency. So that's something to watch too. And then they don't have any tight ends, really, to speak of. I mean, Cameron Brait, pass-catching tight end. Uh, O.J. Howard is going to be gone. He's a free agent. I don't think they'll try to give him back. Um, so that becomes a neat position, too. But you can also dip into free agency on some of that. So a lot of questions for the Bucks that they're going to have to answer. And it's a, it's a busy week, man. It's, it's uh, you know, the, the most important thing they do uh, at this combine in addition to finding out, you know, the lowdown on all the quarterbacks that may or may not be available, is going to be interviewing these guys. They they basically each team kind of has a room at a hotel, and um, after workouts they they spend two and a half three hours uh, interviewing you know the various players that are there for the combine. And I think you get like fifteen minutes, and um, you can do anything with them. You can you know get them on the grease board. You can ask them questions about their personal life, or whatever. And and that that's as valuable as anything they do. And some of these guys they've talked to already at the Senior Bowl. Some they'll have into their facility, a select number they're allowed to invite, you know, for personal visits after this is all said and done. There'll be pro days. Fewer and fewer guys are actually working out. They're waiting to their pro day where they can control some things as far as the environment goes and, you know, script the workouts and stuff like that. But um, we didn't have one a year ago because of COVID, and, and this is this is really important. And after this year, I don't think it's going to be in India. I think they're going to move move it around sort of the way they do the draft, although I suspect there'll be quite a few in L.A., uh, maybe Las Vegas. You know, it seems like this thing will move out west, which is too bad because the reason this started in the first place and why India has hosted it is it's really a medical um, evaluation. That's All the teams want to get you know their medical work done on every player with their own doctors. Well, how do you do that? Well, if you all come together in a centralized location, then bring the players in, the player can go right down the line. Um, and, you know, in some cases you might have to be, you know, evaluated by 32 different team doctors, but that's, that's really what it is. It was really a medical combine where they can combine all the players in one spot and, you know, get their hand size and, you know, whatever ailments, check their knees, if they've had surgery or this or that. And, and everybody, you know, wants to make sure, uh, they're aware of what uh, what some of these players, you know, 
weak points are. But uh, I can remember when Jameis Winston was coming out. They said he had, you know, one team said, well, looks like he has a bit of a shoulder problem. I'm like, what? And it turned out it was it was a little bit of uh, of an old injury that he got when he when he pitched. It was a baseball injury. Didn't really affect him much throwing a football, um, but they noticed it. You know, one team noticed it, and that became a huge story that the year that Jameis Winston was drafted first overall in two thousand, I think fifteen or whatever it was. So you know, those those stories come out. And you guys about hand sizes, and you know, oh, this guy ran about forty. This guy couldn't bench press. You know. 225 more than seven times like the measurables are important they're not the whole thing but they usually confirm sort of what you see on tape and um you know and some guys have blown it away you know some guys just uh are 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 combine superstars and that that's sort of how they're drafted but should be an interesting week and uh, we'll see what bruce arians and jason light have to say about what is going to be the busiest and in the most consequential offseason they've had since they signed tom brady obviously in trying to to kind of thread the needle, try to hang on as contenders with enough good football players to where you think you have a chance to win the FC South, but we all know that it doesn't happen without the right quarterback. The quarterback, the quarterback, the quarterback, and I just don't know that their options are going to be as great as everybody think they thinks they are. And there's other teams out there, as we've documented, that, that want quarterbacks as well, so you're not the Lone Ranger. So this is going to be a really, uh, really interesting couple of weeks, really maybe a month or so, two months going into the NFL draft. We'll see what the Bucks are able to pull out. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, so as we do this podcast, you tell me, like, they were still going into the late wee hours of the night. Major League Baseball, the Players Association, at one point, about 4 or 5 o'clock, I was, I was reading the, the, uh, the tweets and, and, and social media. It looked like this thing was dead, like DOA. Like, the owners are going to go, you know what? We're just gonna miss. We're gonna miss a month, and we will pick it up into the you know uh, after we'll just cancel a month of games. And uh, the latest that I read, and as we do this podcast, it's still not quite eleven o'clock or so uh, on on Monday night. But there's been an exchange of proposals. They're starting to whittle down or get closer at the for the luxury tax, which is a big deal. Um, they moved on that. They moved on minimum salaries. So I think. You know that that's good. That 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 the negotiations and they kind of set baseball set a deadline for I guess midnight or by the end of business on Monday um, to have an agreement or else. But um, the fact that they were still hammering it out this late, I think, is a good sign. Uh, it is a good sign. Um, I, I don't know if they're close enough to to get anything done tonight. Although, you know, look, the owners don't have to cancel opening day if they don't come to a deal tonight. Right. If they feel it can get close enough and we can resume tomorrow, the day after, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, quite frankly, even without a labor agreement, they don't have to be locked out. No, they don't. I mean, the You're owners right. have chosen to lock the players out. That is correct. It's not a necessity. Mm-mm. 
Um, so, you know, even if they're not, they don't have a deal, you could still open up spring training. You could do all that stuff if you think you're close. And, you know, I mean, locking them out is to force the issue and to push it, much like deadlines do. Um, but just because baseball said, you know, tonight is the deadline to cancel opening day doesn't mean they couldn't push it back a couple days if they feel that, you know, they're making progress. So, um, you know, do I think a deal or will be done tonight? No. But does that mean opening day is gone by the time you hear this podcast? Not necessarily. Yeah, I mean, they, they can do they, – they, they've got a little bit of wiggle room. I, I think you have to set a deadline and try to make it as hard as you can just to get the best deal to get everybody to the table. But the problem with Major League Baseball isn't that the pie isn't big enough or they don't have the ability to split it. It's the unbelievable distrust between both parties. I mean, there is – you know, the one thing I'll say about football – and I don't know anything about the NBA in terms of labor agreements, but the one thing I'll say about football is the owners have recognized that, like it or not, um, they're partners. You know, they are partners with players. They, they, there is no game without the players. And you know, they've in the history of the NFL, they've they've locked them out too. They've had scab games. They had you know, um, where they fielded you know teams of 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 players that crossed the picket line that weren't very good. And they counted the records. It was a, it was an abysmal effort back in the eighties and stuff to, to, to break the union. But since then, and I think it's just a recognition that, you know, the NFL, there's so much TV money. There's so much revenue to share that even 50, 40, you know, 52, 48, or, you know, even 50, 50, if it gets there one day is plenty for everybody, you know? And so they've, they've kind of worked a little better on some things, on some things not, but they've worked a little better together in terms of, you know, not killing the golden goose, right? Whereas baseball, there's just, there's just been this deep-rooted distrust. Well, once there's a salary cap and a floor that goes with it, and the players know they're getting 48, 47, 49, you know, each league. Right. The NBA, hockey, football, they're all right around that 47 to 50, 51% range. Mm-hmm. That the player, you know, the revenue is the players get that portion of it. Yep. There's a lot less to there's, negotiate. There's still things to negotiate in, 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 you know, the way things are done. And, you know, in hockey, it's always about the escrow account that the players have to put into because. The salary cap is based on projected revenues for the year, not actual revenues. And so the players have to set aside some money in case the revenues don't hit that high. Things like that that are always, you know, always a point of contention. But with baseball not having a cap or floor and the owners don't have to spend money. And as you know, look, the the total baseball salaries have gone down for the last four years. But we know that the owners are making more money than they've ever made. And the players have a right to be upset about that. You know, they're playing the players less, and the owners are making more. And and so because you don't have the rev sharing the same way you do in the other sports and you don't have the salary cap in that, there's a lot more contention. Yeah, I, I think baseball, and maybe they're getting there, like they kind of squeezed out the middle class in baseball, you know, and – Young players not quite ready for arbitration. They can control when they when they were eligible, and then you had Albert Pujols, you know, like um, or Max Scherzer, or you know, guys who are just making so much money, and mm-hmm. it's just kind of weird that you have 
you have such a disparity on every team. You, you don't really have that in the NFL as much. It's by position mostly. Um, the minimum salaries are so high. Uh, they used to they used to do it a different way. I think the biggest change in the NFL was when and and the owners convinced the players of to do this. And I'm not sure it was a smart thing. But if you had a top ten pick in particular, um, you had to guarantee them an outrageous amount of money before they ever played a single game in the NFL. And it was in 2010 was the last year that this occurred when Joe McCoy was drafted. You'd come out if you were a top 10 pick. And certainly if you're in the top three, you'd come out and, and you would have a guaranteed $60 million when 60 million was a lot of money of your contract was, was guaranteed or in a signing bonus before you ever even went to practice. And that would, and then you'd have some 12, you know, you're a pro that made seven pro bowls and the kid that just rolled out of bed from Oklahoma is making, you know, five times more than he is. And it was like, Whoa, what are we doing here? Mm -hmm. Now the mistake they made was not everybody got that money. Not everybody was paid that kind of money. Quarterbacks. Yes. Um, some top two, three, four picks of defensive linemen. Yes. But they made this deal where they said, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a rookie salary cap just for rookies they can only make this and the idea was that it would trickle down to the veterans and then that would they would get taken care of there'd be more of them and and fewer rookies getting the guaranteed money and really well it was to take money out of the system and you really shouldn't be focused on who gets it just as long as the players are getting it but um that was the biggest change since i've been doing it since the advent of free agency mm-hmm. um, the rest of it like you said it's they're, they're partners right so um, you can split the pie however you want. You know, one year here's the minimum salary. Two years it's this. Three years it's this. When do I become a fully vested veteran? When can I get hit free agency? Uh, you know that sort of stuff. And, and and then you know the discipline has been, I think, one of the you know a bones of contention. How you know the the players gave away a lot of that um, in exchange for money uh, and let Roger Goodell be you know judge, jury, and executioner. But I've always I've always said this in, in terms of of Goodell having that much power over discipline. Like, you know, if, if I'm, there might be on any given team, you might have one, maybe two in a, in a, in, in, in a season in two or three players actually get suspended. So for the most part, the guys that are voting in the union, they're like, well, that's not going to happen to me. Like, I, you know, why we're going to, we're going to fight for this. Like we're going to hold out for this. Just give me my money. You know, I just, and that's how you get the extra game because it's about money. And that's how you get Thursday night football because we play the players more money and so on and so forth. But they gave away some stuff that people are mad about. But if you really step back and realize there's, there's 1,700 players, how many of them really get in trouble? Why are they worried about it? Um, it makes sense. So, But, yeah, union stuff is messy, man. And, and all I hope is that we have baseball because I do think – and I don't know that they're cognizant of this and maybe they shouldn't be, Right. But there's more important things going on in the world right now <laughs> than the battle that's being waged between the players in Major League Baseball. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, maybe they're hopeful of stuff. that so that you're looking the other direction. Or, or could they could they realize this is just bad optically? Like, like what are we doing? You know? I don't think. I that, mean, I don't think that enters in their. Equation. You think that ever enters their conscience at all? No. 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 Like it's all about money. Yeah, I guess you're right, and that's what the world is about, quite frankly. Um, but I, 
I'm tired. I, I want baseball. And it's killing. I'm sure it's killing some of these areas in, in uh, Florida, certainly central Florida, east, east coast, uh, that are spring training homes that, have, you know, rely so heavily on tourism and uh, people at stadiums at work. There's one guy called in one day to the radio station I heard. He goes, you know, I drive a, a courtesy van at the Hilton Hotel or whatever. And during spring training, we're packed. And me just driving this, I'll make, I'll make $100 a day, you know, for the length of spring training. And you think about that, you're like, you know, for that guy, that's, that's important, man. Mm-hmm. You know, 100 bucks a day in tips and stuff. And nobody, you know, they just don't, they don't have the people down because those games aren't being played. So it hurts everybody. All right, I'll be in Indianapolis. I'm there right now as you hear this podcast. Most likely, I'll be talking to Jason Light and Bruce Arians. That happens around 1 o'clock Eastern, 1.15. And so we'll bring you that. You can check that out on TampaBay.com and the Tampa Bay Times. Also, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're in action tonight. Mm-hmm. Looks like Eric Chernak is going to be back. He skated, I guess, on Monday. Is yeah, that right? Full practice on Monday. Everything looks like it's a go unless something doesn't feel right today when he gets to the rink or... So that was good. As he only played what five minutes in yeah. Nashville, just in the first period, and then was out the rest of the game. So took that hit to the head, and it should have been a five-minute major, but it wasn't. But he'll be back tonight against Ottawa, the Senators, and they begin that long stretch of uh, game just about every other day. Thirty-one games yeah, in sixty seen. days. That's incredible, man. Mm-hmm. A lot of hockey coming our way, and a lot of football news as well. So. Check us out tomorrow. We're here every Monday through Friday on Sports Day Tampa Bay. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud, the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.